When defending a biblical doctrine or practice, have you ever been accused of not caring for the lost? I've written a column in the latest Issues Etc. journal titled Playing the Mission Card. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Jeremy Lamont recounts his slow and sometimes painful path out of Mormonism to the Lutheran Confession. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. When I say witchcraft, you think of maybe a character from one of Shakespeare's plays. Maybe you think of, well, Harry Potter. You might think of TV series or other entertainment that have been either crafted around or include the idea of witchcraft. And it's entertaining. It's a plot device that moves things along. And it's all good fun. But is witchcraft real? And if it is, what is it? And what are its dangers? Why does the Old Testament explicitly forbid the use of any kind of witchcraft? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about witchcraft, Dr. John Ferguson. He's pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis, author of the book, The Sword in the Mask, Building an Anti-Fragile Approach to Spiritual Warfare, and a recent column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled On Witchcraft, A Growing Spiritual Trend. John, welcome back. It's good to be back, Todd. Thanks for having me. Pop culture depictions of witchcraft, such as, I'm dating myself here, Bewitched, a little more recently Charmed, or Harry Potter books and films, they focus on the humor or the adventure that uh, no one really is expected to take seriously. How would you correct that depiction of real witchcraft? Well, I suppose one of the first things to consider is that those depictions are fiction, right? I mean, they're idealized concepts for a narrative for entertaining purposes. So they highlight ideas from witchcraft that serve the purposes of the story or what people think of when they think of witchcraft. So, I mean, even in the few pieces you mentioned there, there's a difference in the kinds of things they're pulling from. So like in Harry Potter, for example, the version of witchcraft there is like kind of more like Lord of the Rings or like Big Trouble in Little China, where the spells there kind of serve the story. And when we hear them speak a spell, it's just, I don't know, like a magic word, but it's really just kind of bad Latin. And then they kind of switch their wand and then it moves the story along. And most of it's just nonsense. So the closest Harry Potter kind of gets to it is it's mostly just this kind of silly, childish fantasy version of what we would consider to be magic. The closest Harry Potter really gets to it is when they have a divination and they're supposed to be like reading tea leaves and stuff. But even there in the books, the characters admit that it's pretty much just nonsense. So in a book that talks about witchcraft and wizardry, the one thing where they kind of touch on something that sounds kind of like what we actually consider witchcraft, they actually say is nonsense. So that's kind of good. And if there's any ritual at all in Harry Potter, it's usually done by the bad guys, by the Death Eaters. But like the other ones, and Bewitched, Bewitched is goofy and silly. You know, she wriggles her nose and hijinks commence. But in contrast, you also mentioned Charmed, and I think there's a remake of that right now too. And that's a little tougher. That one involves things like spirit boards and communication with spirits via seance, rituals that went much closer to the ideas behind the different strains of witchcraft. And so... That one is a little more than moving away from the silly frivolity of the idea of magic in the world. 
and that kind of high fantasy stuff that you even see in like Narnia, but then moving away from that into something that is much closer to what we run into actually in witchcraft today. And so that one becomes a little closer to home when it comes to, is this more like what it is? Now, of course, that one still gets very fantasy oriented in the results of those things for the most part, but some of it gets pretty close to the concerns that we would have with people paying too much attention to those kinds of shows and the kinds of things they're doing there. So where we see a lot of this going on right now, though, if you're talking about the media, entertainment media, is where it is kind of subversive if we're not paying attention is the reality shows around ghost hunting and the paranormal. So not all of them go there. I'm not saying that no one can watch a ghost hunting show, but most of them have a decidedly non-Christian understanding of the afterlife, first of all. And so they're trying to talk to people that are dead when we have a clear understanding as Christians that they are not wandering the earth. Even though Charles Dickens used that in Christmas Carol, that is not what's happening. Some of them use seances uh, in those ghost hunting shows. They use seances and spells to contact the unseen beings in a place. Or, or if there's a problem in a place and they ask people to come and detect the supernatural there, uh, at the end, the people in the show might recommend the use of witchcraft to create barriers against evil entities. So I'm just throwing a whole bunch of things at your question here. But for the Christian, we have to really learn to discern between kind of fantasy fun and where these things turn into entry points and connection to witchcraft that can draw us kind of uncritically toward those viewpoints. Where would our listeners have come across witchcraft or related ideas in their everyday lives? Well, obviously, again, in a lot of the media today, online when people are on TikTok, uh, in other places, they'll find messages about where influencers talk about things like manifesting, for example, or if they just think about something hard enough with enough energy, you know, that positive energy is sent out in the universe and then manifests itself into what they want in their lives. And that's really a part of, stems from witchcraft and the concepts of the New Age movement and Rhonda Byrne and Eckhart Tolle and those guys. Oprah talks about that stuff or has in the past anyway. So they'll hear things like that. Uh, we hear a version of that in a kind of what we would say is a heretical arm of Christianity and the idea of prosperity preaching, that if you just have enough faith, it'll God will divine vending machine give you stuff. And this is more of a moving it away from a, from a God to just like the universe uncritically or nature itself. Um, but this move that, that we have the power to do this, so you'll hear that kind of discussion, and that has roots in witchcraft. Some of the naturalistic and holistic groups, not all of them, but some of them, you know, use things like the vibration of various crystals or the burning of incense, use of essential oils in a way that has a supernatural effect on your relationships or your situations. I'm not saying that you can't have aromatherapy, but that idea that somehow these things can actually have, by having them located around you or on you, will have a material effect on how the universe interacts with you or how people interact with you because you've created some kind of mystical barrier or something. That's a problem. And so we still have a lot of superstitions we use around today. So you do run into a lot of this stuff just in some of those conceptual frameworks to the point where even just a few years ago, that garage sale mystery series on Hallmark, one of the main characters was into crystals and putting them on different things to try to manifest goodness in her life or something. But we also see it increasing in the media right now, too. The reconstituted Church of Satan, of course, has been pushing itself out there the last few years. 
We see Sam Smith at the Music Awards dressed as Satan. Uh, you see a pro-abortion statue put up on the New York City courthouse depicting basically Justice Ginsburg with ram's horns. So there's a media-oriented concept here as well and some kind of move toward looking at pagan roots for answers to things today. But there's an interest in going back to witchcraft that we haven't seen in this way much since probably early pre-modern time. How do you explain the rising interest in witchcraft? Why is this particular time in Western civilization kind of ripe for its reemergence? Yeah, okay. So yeah, just following right on there. The move that we're we're seeing, I think, stems from this kind of a couple of flows of thought here. The first is that during modernism, we pushed away organized religion as being suspicious. So the culture starts shying away from the idea that Christianity has answers or that organized religions in general are being honest and are being forthright and that they have the answers to the world's issues and to people's problems. And so we move away in modernism and we kind of push towards science and the idea of objective reality and that this kind of subjective and supernatural and and metaphysical is all bunk. But then what we find is in postmodern generations here, the last couple generations, we've been moving away from this idea of trust in science and trust in objectivity to the idea that there's really no way to do that. And, and so we flipped it all the way over to subjectivity, where now they're skeptical of this idea that there is some kind of capital R reality and capital T truth and everyone's belief is their own. So what happens is you've lost the idea of organized religion and established truths for metaphysical answers. And then you move away from the objectivity concept of modernism And you're left with this idea of, well, I am arbiter of my own truth, but I I shy away from organized religion and I shy away from science. So I'm recognizing that science doesn't have all the answers. And so there's some kind of supernatural reference here that I need to make connection to or make, try to figure out how to reference within my own experience. And so I'm just going to start grabbing onto whatever I want. And really, witchcraft has that appeal because it's very personalized in the way that it's depicted. Everyone has their own version of of things that they're going to end up creating for themselves as they pursue witchcraft, their own understanding of how the universe works, their own understanding of their communion with nature, their own understanding of the kinds of spells and the kinds of aspects of witchcraft that are available out there that they want to individualize into their own. And so you have this kind of have it your way mentality that's a part of the understanding of witchcraft that's been there since it started rising again even back in the 70s. Dr. John Ferguson is our guest, author of the book The Sword and the Mask, Building an Anti-Fragile Approach to Spiritual Warfare. We're talking about witchcraft and we'll get into, as diverse as it is, the core beliefs and practices of witchcraft next. Got a black magic woman I've got a black magic woman Got me so blind I can't see That she's a black magic woman She's trying to make a devil out of me Issues Etc. listeners are needed to vote for President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. 
Every LCMS congregation has the right to vote through a pastoral and a lay voter, two voters per congregation or parish. Voter registration must be completed by midnight central on March 19th of 2023. Request to be a voter at your congregation for president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Zion Evangelical Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio is a downtown church with members from over 40 cities around Columbus. Our attendees receive God's gifts in word and sacrament through the use of the historic liturgy, lectionary, and hymns. The Divine Service with Communion is celebrated every Sunday at 8 and 10.30 and also Wednesdays at 7. Learn more at zionlcms.org. That's zionlcms.org. Have you heard of the nuns? I'm not talking about Roman Catholic women who wear habits. Rather, I'm talking about those who mark none on religious preference surveys. It is the fastest growing religious group in the United States, and it's something we need to pay attention to. The March issue of The Lutheran Witness takes up this question regarding where they come from, what they believe, and how we can point them to Christ and Him crucified for the forgiveness of their sins. To learn more, pick up your copy of The Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Declaring to you the whole counsel of God, you're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve without question? Dr. Lawrence Rast, President of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship, Confessional Theology, Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Dr. John Ferguson is our guest. We're talking about witchcraft. You said before that the beliefs and practices are sometimes kind of make it up as you go along, but are there core beliefs and practices in witchcraft? There are some kind of general categorical things that you can connect it to. One is that there is a overall belief in the supernatural that, that they do believe that there are unseen beings out there. They vary in how they describe those. Most of them believe that when people die, they're some kind of, they don't just go to heaven or go to hell, like we would say in Christianity, but rather they're either roaming the earth or 
in some ways, the people who have died before us still can influence the things that are going on on the earth. So they have this this notion that they have to deal with those entities as beings, and so that leads to a lot of that trying to connect to the dead because they're still around us somehow, even though we can't connect to them, is the idea. And most of your groups of witchcraft believe that on some level that's the case, as well as that there's other entities out there because they're able to grab onto most religions so that you, You'll talk to them, they'll talk about demons, they'll talk about angels, they'll talk about various kinds of weird manifestations of spiritual beings around us, or they'll talk about it in an animistic way, that there's the spirit that lives in the tree, or the evil spirits that are angry that the early American settlers destroyed indigenous people, or all these kinds of things. But you have this understanding that there's a supernatural realm that we can't see but there are methods by which you can get access. And so then the methodologies by which you access that and harness the power that's latent there in that supernatural connection, that kind of provides the different flavors for witchcraft. What are the chief dangers of of witchcraft in your pastoral opinion? Well, there are some serious ones. Uh, One is that we are uncritically, these people are uncritically dabbling in and exploring things that they cannot comprehend with their senses. So they are uh, pursuing a connection to unseen forces and not with a full understanding of what it is they're even trying to communicate with. So as Christians, we recognize, well, the only things that the Bible says in terms of entities that are beyond us in a supernatural sense are angels and demons, and that the people who have died are already in heaven. And so those who are really trying to communicate with the dead are likely, most likely, in fact, biblically speaking, are trying to communicate with the demons. And we know from the Bible, as well as just early church and church history and and anecdotes about it, and even modern day anecdotes about it, that nothing good comes from trying to speak to the demonic that everything starts falling apart when we do that, whether we recognize that that's what we're doing or not, because their only goal is to destroy faith and to wage war against God's truth and against the idea that God would save humanity from its sins in Christ. And as long as they can divorce us from Jesus, that's all they care about. And so if this is a way in which they can do it is by enticing us into this idea that we can explore the unknown in some way that gives us power or advantage, or an ability to see into the future, or something like that, then they will be more than willing to try to help us down that road in some way that entices us. So on one hand, you have this danger in witchcraft, that they're uncritically going into things that they don't understand, where the devil and the demons are just sitting, lying in wait for them. But also then, uh, in connection to that, that idea that they can themselves find ways to unravel the secrets of the universe to take advantage of them for their own personal gain or for their own personal peace starts causing them to anchor themselves in something that still ultimately is anchored in them saving themselves. And now it's just in a supernatural way, but they're still trying to save themselves from their own brokenness, their own inadequacy, their own lack of control and power in the world. And in the end, they're only going to find futility there. What does Scripture have to say about witchcraft? Yeah, so getting on that idea of of God saying this is a bad idea, right? 
Leviticus 19 and 20 are really examples of God being pretty straightforward and pretty strong on on not doing this. It says things like, you shall just not interpret omens or tell fortunes, or you shall not tattoo yourselves or make cuts on the body for the dead. Don't turn to mediums or necromancers. Don't seek them out. Um, if you do, you make yourselves unclean. Don't throw your children into the fire for the sake of personal gain from the evil god Molech, from that demon. So he speaks a lot about don't go into necromancy and don't go to these people, don't pursue these things, don't try to gain anything from the secret arts that supposedly are around you because God is there to care for you. God's there to take care of you. And so God is very adamant against the idea of of us moving away from him to try to ascertain these things for ourselves or to seek out other other entities by which we might gain some kind of favor. How are Christians to distinguish between the harmless and silly and the harmful and serious when it comes to witchcraft? Mm, That's a good question. I think the key there is really looking at the base of what is trying to be conveyed there. So like going back to Harry Potter, for example, the whole point of the magic in Harry Potter is to serve the purpose of the narrative, that ultimately it's an adventure story about a kid growing up who has to save the world from the evil guy, and he has to go get the MacGuffins to do it, right? And it just happens to be that spells are the way he goes about doing these things, right? And the way the world, the world's mechanics run. So that's one thing, and it makes for a good yarn. It's a different thing when you have people sitting around actually using spell books that have spells in them and creating rituals and trying to contact the dead and actually contacting demons even in in the stories and stuff. So this idea of fantasy that's devoid of the object religiosity helps us to see kind of the humor in it and see the fun in it. Um, and so, but we have to be discerning even there to make sure that the kind of influence there isn't opening up to, well, that's fun witchcraft. So I guess witchcraft is fun and then causing us an entry into it. And so even as parents, when our kids are reading Harry Potter, you want to just double check that they recognize what they're reading, right? But distinguishing between these things is kind of in the motivation of what's going on there. So when I'm at the store at Christmas and Parker Brothers has their Ouija board up on the Target shelf right next to Monopoly, how do I discern that that's not just fun? It's in the board game area. How is that different from the Magic 8-Ball over here? Well, the Magic 8-Ball is just me shaking a thing and looking at it and having fun because it says stupid things. Unless someone actually takes it seriously and says, well, this is really telling me something, and then we have a problem, right? But the Ouija board itself, the idea behind it is actually you're supposed to be using this in a way where you're contacting spirits, right? And that move to the unknown and to uncritically exploring that unknown over against what the Bible calls us to do, that starts moving into harmful and serious. And in fact, to the point where that's how uh, the real narrative behind the exorcist, right? That's how that child actually got into the situation they found themselves in was because they were playing with the spirit board that their aunt had left for them when she died. So that move into exploring the unknown apart from God and his word, trying to divine things or gain some kind of supernatural power for ourselves, even if it's just in a, in a narrative where the characters are doing this uncritically, those are the, some of the basic discernments we have to make. What is their 
foundation for what they're trying to say. Is it God and His Word? Is it something that has good morals and integrity in align with God's Word and His truth? Or is it something that's pulling on a different worldview of the supernatural that's going to ultimately lead us away from God and, and away from an understanding of relying on God for our life and our futures, and that He has us in His hands instead of trying to take those reins for ourselves? We're discussing witchcraft with Dr. John Ferguson. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues Etc. Happy birthday to the U.S. Navy Reserve. The USNR marks its official beginning on this date in 1915. LCMS Ministry of the Armed Forces supports all Lutheran Church Missouri Synod chaplains who serve in the reserves, active duty, the National Guard, Civil Air Patrol, and Coast Guard Auxiliary. Learn more about their service at lcms.org slash armed forces. LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. Should Christians be afraid of the practitioners of witchcraft? We'll answer that question next. Listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Save the date. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky, with visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Look for more information in early 2023 at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org. Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines, you're listening to Issues Etc. Your Aunt Mabel's church banners are from the 60s. They were quite something in the day, especially the psychedelic bell-bottoms. But now the colors have faded, the tassels fell off years ago, and the hand-stitched letters are skew. Come on over to adcrucem.com and see our beautiful, theologically correct, Christ-focused church banners. We can customize size and color to meet your church's requirements. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about witchcraft. Dr. John Ferguson is our guest. John, do Christians need to fear the practitioners of witchcraft? Well, not in the sense that maybe, maybe we mean by that, in the sense of if they're going to uh, throw black magic on us or something. Not directly in, this, in that sense, that we are the children of God, we are sealed in the Holy Spirit, and God is stronger than anything that they have, and we rely on God then to walk us through the challenges the world puts at us, whether it's concrete things of the world or whether it's differing worldviews and whether it's people that are into something like witchcraft that are trying to 
pecks us into negative parts of our lives or something. We don't have to fear that because we have God who is greater than these things. But we want to be wary of those things being out there and not walk into them uncritically either, because a lot of times what goes with those things, especially when you look in, in other cultures, what goes with those things is, is not just the spell being given or something like that, but also an animosity toward the person on whom they're casting it or thinking it or manifesting it. And in that anger, right, we find a lot of other problems that can come our way in terms of just relational issues and violence and animosity. And so we need to be wary of those accompanying things as well, that it's not just that someone's doing this out of random chance. They're doing it because it's a directed attack on someone who believes things differently than them. And so we need to be take that kind of idea seriously. What does Christianity offer that those who are being drawn to witchcraft are looking for? Sure. In my experience, those that are looking to witchcraft are often looking for a few different things. One, they're looking for peace in a world that they feel they have a little control over. Two, they are looking for assuredness and hope for their future because they feel fearful and uncertain of it. And they're looking for a way to try to take some kind of control over how that future plays out. And third, they're looking for their own identity and how to, something to anchor their identity in, in a world that has pulled all the identities away from us that we can grab onto. I mean, to the point where we have gender identity issues, even because we can't even rely on genetics at this point, supposedly, to give us any idea of our identity. So you have these people that are wandering and they're lost and they're fearful and they're hungry for meaning and they're hungry for direction. And witchcraft, when they run into it, says, hey, we can provide these things to you. We can give you this understanding of yourself within your life in nature and the cosmos. We can give you this hidden power to discern the future and to control your future through these hidden means. And that sounds very attractive to people who are lost, right? But what we have is something so much greater than that. You know, the certainty of Christ crucified and risen for us, the reality of our creator God that has made these things that they're worshiping. You know, they're worshiping the things and not the creator. They're trying to manipulate the things when they can just go to the Father through Christ and have the king of the universe hear their prayers and act on them. And the fact that though we can't control things, that God is in control of all things and will rectify all things in the end, right, gives us a hope and a peace that transcends anything the world can offer, even the hidden things of witchcraft. And also then in that hope, you know, in that peace, we have that joy, we have that sense of, we recognize where we can control in our lives and the things that we can go over to God knowing that they're in his hands. So all the things that people tend to seek witchcraft over, we tend to have and do have greater answers because they're the only certain ones that we have, which are, which is in Christ Jesus. Someone approaches you and says, pastor, my daughter, she went off to college, came back. And now she tells us that she is a witch. She is practicing some of these, as you said, self-invented rites and rituals and ideas. What would you say to them? Well, I would say certainly that if she's interested in talking to me, I'd be happy to talk to her. But also just talking to the the parents that in the conversation that they have with their daughter, 
try to help her see what it is that she thinks is lacking in her life that she needs to go to these resources. What is it that she is wanting that she thinks these things can provide for her? And then through approaching God's word, through loving her, through prayer, trying to discern how to speak to her toward those particular things and how Christ actually fulfills those things for her and that those things are unnecessary. And then also talk about the dangers of it, that pulling this stuff in, did you also realize that you're actually trying to communicate with with the demonic, that you are actually working yourself away from Christ? And how does that affect your understanding of, of who you are? So trying to help her understand how that affects her identity in Christ, trying to help her understand that the things she's looking for are already met for us in Christ. And then helping her recognize the the dangers of what she actually is looking toward for the things that she thinks she's lacking. Those are the three main areas that, that they would want to try to address with her if they can find a way to do so. Dr. John Ferguson is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis. He's author of the book, The Sword and the Mask, Building an Anti-Fragile Approach to Spiritual Warfare, and a recent column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled On Witchcraft, a growing spiritual trend. You can purchase The Sword and the Mask at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. John, thanks. Oh, yeah. Always a pleasure, Todd. In hour two of Issues Etc. and Issues Etc. Encore, a hymn that many of us will be singing this coming Sunday, Lord Thee I Love With All My Heart, the guest, the sainted Pastor Paul McCain. Stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.